Mike Shaw with uh, your Risk Matters podcast, uh, and Jimbo Redmond uh, riding with uh, Mike Reese from SL Williamson Company today. Mike, how are you doing? Very good. Awesome. Hey, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We we kind of uh, cornered you into this a bit. I'd say you weren't that hard to corner, um, but we we reached out to Blair Williamson who runs the team over there and, and uh, asked her if we could t talk to one of her star players and um, just to get a kind of a sense and perspective from, from the field, frankly. And, and, uh, and she said, yeah, here's Mike. He'd be happy to record. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately we got a couple rainy days where uh, the call to the real job is, is not what it would be. Right. 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 So Mike, um, you know, we've uh, we've enjoyed a lot of conversations with folks over over the years we've been doing this podcast but i'd say frankly we're a little remiss in the in the fact that we haven't talked to too many of of folks in leadership positions from the field and um your name's been buzzing around for the past couple of years for a few reasons as we've interacted with you and and you've garnered some praise from blair on a few initiatives and things you've just been proactive and 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 taken ownership of volunteered for if you will and um, so before we dive into a little bit of that, um, why don't you give folks a little bit of backstory on Mike and who you are and where you're from and how long you've been at SL and the whole nine yards? Well, let's see. Uh, I'm from Fluvanna County. I was born, well, born in Charleston, raised in Fluvanna. Went to Fluvanna High, went to Ohio University. Uh, while I was at Ohio University playing football, I got a job at SL Williamson summer of 83. And worked here summers of labor, do whatever. And uh, then uh, spoke with Sean and Mr. Mooney as I was getting ready to get out of school. And they said, what are you going to do? And I said, don't know. I'm looking for a job. And they said, well, why don't you try it here? And I said, well, as long as I'm not doing what I've been doing, which is all the grunt work. <laughs> I said, I'll take a job. But, uh, and I've been here, I guess I took over as a crew superintendent in 1987. Mm. and been running the crew pretty much since then i'll wow. do other things i'll go help other crews and all that kind of stuff but pretty much seen every kind of job that you can do paving wise running tracks test tracks uh, airports runway taxiway driveways everything you can think about doing we've just about done mm. um, i've got three kids one in pittsburgh 29 one at JMU is 19, 20, just turned 20, and one at still in high school is 18 at Fort Union Military Academy. Wow. And, oh, yeah, wow. That's what, that, that keeps that, me working. That's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. So what, when you, if you think back to, you know, the, the early 80s when you were going to school, what was it that, how did you land at S.L. Williamson? I mean, it, it's, I, I don't, to, to be honest with you, my first inclination, if I'm thinking about a work I'm going to go do, and it isn't to sweat out on the on the asphalt, you know, in the middle of the summer, and, and uh, that's hard work. So, what what kind of pulled you to that? Well, um, a couple of things. I had an aunt that was a secretary there that said they were hiring. <laughs> that was a plus. That was my end, and I was looking for something hard. I was playing football at the time, and. Uh, you know, I was looking to the harder the work, the better for me as far as that was concerned. I wanted to uh, 
I mean, I'll give you an example. We drove concrete pins in the airport asphalt for about a month and a half, maybe two months one summer with a jackhammer, 65-pound hammer over your head all day. Mm. I, I didn't have to lift money, many weights that summer. No, I wouldn't, ima I wouldn't imagine. But uh, what no, I, and I, I like the, you know, the moving around and seeing different spots. You know, you, one day you're in a parking lot and the next day you're at some nice driveway or you know, you're in the city or you're out in the country. It was it was the moving around and being outdoors, I think, really was what lured me. The, the Charlottesville yeah. country side definitely has some nice long driveways, don't they? We just did a very nice one last week. <laughs> what is it about the uh, what what is it about some of the types of the people that work in the paving industry and at SL Williamson that that kind of draws you in? I remember um, I remember talking to Andy Moore over at Moore's Electric a few years. Jimbo, you remember when we recorded with him and he said, he said, well, as my dad always said, the best thing about our business is our people. And the worst thing about our business is our people. So <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess no matter what, you get stuck with good folks, bad folks, and challenging folks, I should say. But what, what, what are the types of folks who tend to get into paving and, and what maybe is endearing about them? I, I think, um, you know, some people it's, it's just kind of a career of choice. They like being outside. They like moving around. They like, they like the money. They like the company benefits. And, you know, the, the company's always been kind of like a, a bridge for everyone. If you need something, you can go, you can walk right into the office. You could go in. When I started, you could go into Mr. Williamson's office and say, you know, I'm having whatever I need or whatever it may be. I need tires for my car. I don't have the money this month. They go, okay, we'll help you out. So figure out a way. And, you know, he would do that. Things like that. And that brought the family atmosphere to me. And then Blair, she came along and she kind of did the same thing. You know, she's helped guys out, uh, go through cancer treatments and make sure they see the right doctors and get to the right places. And that, that means more than anything else to me. Hmm. What, when you, when you see that kind of response to people and, and coworkers and colleagues in, in need from, from Blair, do you get a sense in, you know, do you get a sense that that informs how you see your role and, and how other superintendents take care of the people on their crews? I mean, I'd imagine there's kind of a trickle-down effect of that, that type of approach to caring for people. Yeah, our crews are like kind of like many families. I tell my guys, you know, I spend more time with you during the day than I spend with my family at home during the week. You know, if you take five, five days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, and you only – probably awake four or five hours a night when you're home in the weekends. That's a lot more time with those guys. So it's a mini family and, you know, you know, their issues, you know, their, their uh, problems they may have or their good things. And, and then you start, you know, camaraderie with sports and other interests and outside of work stuff and you get to know them and their families. And then Blair has, they have, you know, our Christmas party and things like that where families come. So you get to know them there and, we, a lot of us live close by each other, so we can call each other and we can, hey, come over and help me, um, or I come over and help you, whatever it may be. But that um, having those guys as many families, and then it's like um, we, tr we try to look out for each other. Like a guy says, hey, I, I need some help. Okay, well, let me know and I'll help you. We'll do what we can do. And then if it's beyond us, someone else will help. But it's always looking out for each other and and the uh, same thing is with the safety part of the job. Everybody's always watching somebody else's back because it's like, you know, hey, everybody's got to go home tonight. Everybody with, with all your pieces and safely. 
And so it's, you know, I, I, I started every day with, hey, watch out, here comes a car, here comes traffic through, make sure everybody's seeing that, and then other guys start doing it. So, But it's like you're all watching for each other, whether it's on the job or at home or whatever it may be. Well, you guys have notoriously low turnover at SL. I, I, so far as I can tell, on average, it's somewhere around – four percent yeah i mean it's it's really really low especially for an industry that typically from what i can see cycles through at closer to 60 percent turnover i mean you just listed some some real benefits of of some of that consistency of having the same people and building bridges and understanding and know each other's needs and kind of being like a family um i mean what what other areas do you see that just create efficiency in operations or in safety or just in the culture at, at, at SL Williamson? Uh, I think, you know, we're all, we're treated more than just an employee. You're more than just a barcode or a social security number. You're a person, you're a, and then we treat each other that way. It's, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, treat anybody else on a crew any different than the way I would want to be treated. I wouldn't talk to them any way I want to be treated, talked to. And, and I think by doing those things, it makes everybody care about everybody. Hmm. And, and, and not just, oh, okay, he's just another guy, you know, he's, he's on that side today. I don't have to deal with him. You know, he's on that side of the machine. <laughs> well, you know, although there might be some folks you, <laughs> oh, you yeah. might want to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've had those too, but it's like it's like a family too. You know, you your kids your kids will uh, get in the spat at home, and they get in the spat at work too. Yeah. Well, you, well, you we and I that. have something in common. If I if I heard you right, and that's that uh, your entire career has been spent in the same place. And, Pretty much. Um, I, I think it. People ask me from time to time, like, how's that been? And and. I guess I'm naive because I don't really know any different, but there's got to be some compelling reasons why, you know, you haven't looked over the fence or, or maybe you have. And so I'm just interested in what's, what's kept you in the same place for 30 plus years. Um, well, I, I have had headhunters call me and say, Hey, do you want to go work in Richmond? I'm like, no, not really. Do you want to go work at night all the time? I'm like, no, not really. Well, we'll pay you more. I'm like, it's not about the money. It's more about the people. And I think the people more than anything. And then, and like I said, the family part. It's, you know, we we have like a fantasy football league that we do just within the company. And it might be family. We do the NCAA tournament, which is wives, kids, whatever, whoever, all comers in that one. Um, and those things, just little many things. They, uh, I think they do like a race uh, league where they, they pick teams and cars and, and NASCAR. And it's just different groups of whatever your involvement is with. But at those, those little things are like keeps us all connected versus being I, – I feel like if, you, if I went somewhere else, yeah, I may be needed or wanted, but I wouldn't have that family connection. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have that – that, you know, hey, how's your wife doing, you know, or how's your kids doing, things of that sort. Yeah, I think one of the – Jimbo, that's a really good question and point. One of the – and, Mike, you you nailed on it with your response, uh, nailed it in my sense is that whether it be money or, you know, people can 
I think being known is one of the most undervalued or underappreciated things that, that people kind of consider. I mean, just, just to have your backstory known and to kind of the, the assumptions people make when they've known you for a long time, you don't have, when you're conveying a thought or your opinion on something, you don't have to explain your heart. I guess you could say people kind of know your heart, know where uh -huh. you're coming from, know your backstory and can better understand. And, and that's really, really valuable. What, um, or go ahead. I was just going to say one of our, uh, one of my sayings, I have a lot of sayings, but one of my sayings is that we work in the neighborhoods that we sleep in. And by that, I mean that we have friends, all of us have friends at some point in time, we're going to work in their neighborhood or near their house and they're going to see us out there working. And if we do a crappy job, you, I guarantee you somebody will hear about it within the crew. Hey, I saw that crew. That looked like crap. So it's like, you know, that's your, that's your reputation to me. And it's like, we're going to go out here every day and we're going to, we're going to uphold our reputation and we're not going to be, give anybody any crappy job and we're going to look like professionals and we're going to act like professionals because we do have friends, peers, and everywhere that we work. Well, well what other sayings do you have? Because that's a good one. We like that. Yeah, I'm going to hang on to that. Uh, I got some I might not want to say. <laughs> do we need a reference to the uh, S.L. Williamson historical calendar to see what, what great quotes have been attributed to you over the years? Uh, I, I try not to give out too many, too many quotes uh, on, on the calendar. Uh, one of my quotes is, uh, think long, think wrong. Think, think long. Make it, make it. Think long, think wrong. <laughs> you can't stand around and wait to make a decision. You just got to make a decision and live with it. <laughs> <laughs> Things I happen that, too fast in our world. I love that. That's the old, you know, analysis paralysis type deal. Well, Mike, what, um, so there are a lot of nicknames floating around S.L. Williamson. And what, what, first, what's your nickname? And then maybe what are some of your favorite nicknames that, that are floating around? And maybe a little backstory uh, on those. Well, they call allowed. me Big Mike. They call me Big Mike. I'm not the biggest guy here, but I'm one of them. <laughs> and, at one, one, and one time we had a lot of Mike. So it's like, which Mike are we talking about? And they all Big Mike. But then Mike Weiss works for me so they call him little mike yep so what don't they call job, him like what's don't they call him peter or am i squeaky 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 yes <laughs> so how is your uh so it sounds like you've been in kind of a superintendent leadership role there for for a long time i mean maybe since almost you you started really a uh, few years after you started. Um, sounded like somewhere in the late '80s, you '87 or so, you kind of came on in that position. Is that right? Or yes, I uh, I actually I started in the summer, end of summer, when I graduated uh, as assistant to a guy who was a superintendent, and his name was Lewis Smith Gibby. From uh, he was down from near Roanoke. And he decided to leave and find, to go and take care of, I think, a family farm. And uh, when he left, I was the next man up, and I was the youngest guy on the crew. Hmm. And it was some school of hard knocks for a while there. <laughs> who, who, um, who at SL would you say is kind of maybe a mentor or 
doesn't even have to be somebody in leadership, really. It could be one of the crew who taught you a lot. But who are some of the folks who taught you a lot just about being with people, leading people, doing the work, all those all those components that, that you remember? One of the, 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 the guy that probably taught me the most and showed me the most about overall how to do things was, uh, ironically, Anthony Wynn, who was our superintendent of our other crew, his grandfather was Benny Wynn. And he was the foreman of the crew when I took the crew over. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I'm I'm out of college and I have like summer help knowledge of paving is about all I know. And he said, you just get us the asphalt here and figure out how much we need. We'll show you what to do with it. <laughs> and he was, and he did, and he did. He's passed and gone. I miss him, but he uh he was one of he was the main guy I thought that taught me the most the years that he was here and how, how he dealt with people, how he dealt with jobs. We used to make... <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's some brilliance there. I think um, Jimbo, on to what I heard too, which is we talk a lot to different leadership teams about the importance of of tapping into the intellectual capital of your employees because they're the ones that they take it from academic, from ideal to reality. And, and that's, the, that's the paradigm they have to operate in all the time. So there's textbook, but then there's the real world and how things play out. And so the risk kind of the same way as operations. So I, I kind of chuckle at that because we, we spend a lot, an awful lot of time encouraging folks to just talk to their people. You'd be shocked what you'll learn. When it comes to... Well, Go ahead. I was just going to add to that. It, that same time, I, the paver operator had been here 20 plus years. Roller man had been here 20 plus years and, and Benny had been here 20 plus years. And they all three had three different perspectives of how we would pay. So each day I would go talk to each one of them because they all had a different perspective. And then my job, I, I figured out pretty quickly, my job is if I keep all three of them happy and can make a, 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 a compromise of the three ideas, that they would all be happy with me and, and, and the work would go easily. It would be a whole lot easier on me. So that was talking to them every day. What's your viewpoint of how this job should go? What's your viewpoint of how this job go? What's your viewpoint? You know, you got, you go in a square parking lot and you got four corners and they want to start in three different ones. <laughs> that, that's such a smart, I mean, I, I just respect that. that. That's one of the leadership styles I respect and appreciate the most is, but it takes it takes somebody, I think, with a, a degree of confidence. I mean, we're you know, ego can be a killer, and fear can be a killer when it comes to leadership. Fear of of being perceived as not knowing what you're doing or as a weak player. And so, a lot of times, you'll see folks kind of kind of puff their chest out. What what was it about your personality, your your upbringing, or whatever it was that just allowed you to take a back seat and allow your stars to shine, and then really sounds like you you gained the most advantage out of it frankly yeah well I think sports I mean I was I did track indoor outdoor track and football and I think the team concept of sports of everybody's involved and you know your weakest your weakest person is your weakest link or your weakest position is your weakest link so strengthen those and cover those and and make your chain stronger 
and so it's it's always been about team. It's been about including everyone. So I I try to talk to everybody on the crew every day. Um, you know, it may be different thing. Maybe just good morning, how you doing? It may be hey, we got to do this today, and I need you to do this and watch out for these things and be careful of this. These issues that I see might be coming up. Um, if you have any problems, let me know or or, or someone knows so we can kind of help you get through whatever it is. Maybe it's a, just a task that they might need more help. But uh, that team team concept has been really important in my life and, and, and meant a lot to me. So I think that's that's kind of how I rule. And I've never been a yell at you, scream at you guy. I've been yelled at and screamed at a lot in sports. But <laughs> <laughs> I've never been that guy. I'm just like, okay, I'll take that. I'll hear, I, I listen and I'm like, all right, now I need to do something and, and, and fix whatever it is. But uh, I just... I'd rather just talk to you and have a conversation. And I talk to my people the evening before, the morning of, usually about what's coming up next to kind of lay out a plan, an idea in their head of what it's going to look like or what I think it should look like, what a work zone should look like, what a job should look like, you know, where we're going to meet at, what kind of equipment we need to have, anything additional. I do that every day. And it's kind of like, you know, like having a pregame meeting every day. Here's what we're going to do. Is what well, we need to have. I'm going to assume, Big Mike, that you weren't the quarterback at Ohio. Nope. And I was offensive guard. So you've gone from being uh, in the trenches to being the quarterback. Yeah. Yep. I look at it more as I'm the offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well said, Jimbo. What position did you play? I played offensive tackle. Okay, Big Mike. I, I guess you might not have known Jimbo played a little football at UVA. Oh, really? I did not know that. No, I was a, I was a few years behind you. I graduated in ninety. Okay. Well, Mike, um, man, I, I'd love to talk to you for hours more because I think. There's just such real deep riches in, in the knowledge and the experience you've got to share with people. And, and we look at the landscape of, of many cases, superintendents who are just in need of an example of somebody to, to follow. And, 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 and you're a great example of that. I mean, you just get the sense about you as a, as a person that you're kind of arms wide open and, and knowledgeable and, and the, e the ego piece that is apparent from, you know, everybody's got a little ego. There's a healthy amount of ego and, and good leaders, but the, the wisdom to kind of take a step back and let your, your guys kind of lead the charge in many cases is that's a really, really shouldn't, shouldn't be passed over as a, as a, as a note for folks listening. Um, so thank you for sharing and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We, we really appreciate it. And I, I'm affirmed and, and informed by a lot of the, the comments that you made. So thank you for, for taking the time and sharing all that with us. Uh, no problem. It was a pleasure. Well, Thanks, Jimbo, we, uh, it's great, great to hear your story and, uh, just your, your journey and the great things that, you know, you're doing to, to lead and be connected with your people, which is just so much of a message that, uh, we, we want to share with others because, I'm sure it seems natural to you, but for a lot of people, it's not. So, um, thanks for that. No problem.
All right. Well, to the folks who tuned in, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.